0: Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Our guest today is Gretchen Jones. I met Gretchen last month in an afterlife workshop in New Orleans. She's a great lady, has a radiant personality, and told me she volunteers for an organization called NODA, which stands for No One Dies Alone. Intrigued by her story and her compassion, I thought we needed to meet her on the show. Gretchen and her husband, Taylor, run a business called Texas Grip, which is an Austin-based film and lighting company specializing in still photography and video production. They work hand-in-hand with photographers, producers, and assistants to make sure their shoots run smoothly and that every detail is taken care of. And if you're in that kind of business, you can find out more about that at texasgrip.com. And as far as no one dies alone, you can either Google it or on Facebook, they've got a Facebook page. So no one dies alone. Gretchen Jones, my new friend, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was quite the introduction, Sandra. Well, only the best for my friends. Absolutely. (laughs) You're a VIP if you're on this show. Well, you are anyways, but (laughs) I think we often discount who we are, um, but we're all great. We really are. Every person listening and you and me. so. So, Gretchen, how are you doing in the face of probably being housebound like most of us?
1: I am. um, But I think like most of us, I'm getting a lot of housework done. And we're taking a lot of walks. And here in Austin, the weather is beautiful. So we've been really enjoying that. Um, I unfortunately, and I'm not able to visit my patients right now. Most of them are in hospitals and um, nursing homes. But I've been giving them calls and checking in with them that way.
0: Oh, that's really nice. You want to tell us a little bit about you? and. Sure. You know, Bobby, um, and then we
1: can talk about how you got into volunteering. Sure. Um, I'm a certified end of life doula, uh, which is a person who is trained in assisting patients spiritually, emotionally, and physically during their dying process. And uh, I also um, volunteer both with um NOTA, which you mentioned is a No One Dies Alone program here in the United States, and also with Kindred Hospice and Hospice Austin. Um, how did you get
0: into all of this? Can I, uh, yeah, just ask, I mean, your background, I know you do the photography business uh, with your husband. Yes. Uh, was, yeah, was this other side, how did this other, I don't want to say the other side develop, but you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> Okay. Well,
1: um, I graduated college with a um, master's in um, art history and theology. So I always had this interest in world religions and other people's religious beliefs, spiritual beliefs, and cultural differences. And um, that kind of expanded um, for me uh, with my own meditation. And as I kind of got into my own spiritual journey and growth, And I realized that it was, I think, essential to help people who are of diverse religious and spiritual backgrounds to uh, tune in. And I find that they're most able to do that towards end of life. And so I started to uh, volunteer with organizations that would put me in that path. And it fills me with joy like no other. When I first started um, with uh, volunteering with Hospice and Noda, I uh, was assigned specific patients, and I started realizing that these patients um, were able to see and hear and feel things um, that other people in the room weren't able to, to tune into, and so I started um, journaling uh, bedside happenings. And that's, that's really kind of how I've stayed with this. Gretchen, it's really special what
0: you do and how you take care of people. And I remember working in a nursing home when I was young and would get very close to some of the people that live there and then they'd pass. And I want to acknowledge you first of all, for being somebody who has stepped up and, uh, and is there, In service for people towards the end of their life. I know it wasn't easy, but can you just talk about how you chose to do that part of saying this, these are the people I want to be with?
1: All right. Well, um, I sometimes um, receive information uh, from spirit, um, or sometimes I can see spirits and I noticed that they were more prevalent behind people, um, when they were in their dying process. So, um, I started to assist those who were dying because I felt that if I could see their loved ones coming around them, then perhaps I would help me kind of gauge their process and what they might need from me. And I thought I could be of assistance in that way. I did not know that. Well, I don't think many people do. Now, <laughs> when do did... I typically share? Yeah, well,
0: it's no problem. I mean, I'm thrilled that you do because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really great. But going back, did all of that start when you were doing your meditation practice? And and I mean,
1: or, or do you think as a kid, it, you had some of this? Yes, as a kid, I would see um um, spirit in my room or around, and it brought me so much comfort. Um, the beings that would be around, and, and I wasn't scared, and nothing seems out of the ordinary when you're a kid, it just is. Um, but then, as I started to do med- meditations and um, try to center myself and sit quietly, I found that more and more information was available. So um, it kind of evolved into um, an awareness that when a person was starting the dying process, and as you know, we don't actually die, but when their physical dying process would begin, um, that the spirits around them would become a little more uh, visible to me. And I thought that that would be a helpful thing to hopefully utilize and help those and assist them throughout their dying process. Wow. Really great. And then you were trained as an end of life doula. I was. um, And um, Reiki also I'm trained in Reiki and Mm -hmm. in sound bowl therapy. So I actually use all of that stuff when I sit bedside. Um, So as you mentioned earlier, um, Noda and Noda is this incredible nationwide program that is dedicated to serving patients who are actively dying, and that's usually typically within a 72 hour time frame. Okay. Um, and these are patients who don't have family to be with them, um, and that could be because they've outlived everyone, maybe they never had kids, or their family lives far away and can't afford to visit, or maybe even perhaps they've burned all those bridges and family just simply won't visit. Mm-hmm. So volunteers sign up and sit in three hour shifts with these patients. And what's just the most beautiful thing is that every volunteer brings their own personal touch to these patients, and I am just constantly in awe of my fellow volunteers when I learn how they bring their own personal gifts to serve those who are dying. What kind of gifts do you mean? well, um well, depending on their the patient's religious background mm-hmm. and cultural considerations. Um, volunteers offer scripture reading from religious texts that relate to the patient. And that could be the Bible, the Quran, the Vedas, um, some really gifted volunteers sing just the most beautiful hymns and you can oh. hear them all the way down the hallways. Um, others read short stories. Um, they pray, they hold hands, they talk to the patient. And even if the patient's unconscious, um, hearing is usually the last sense to fade, right. So you know, just letting them know that they're not alone. This is in hospice and hospitals, Um, hospice, hospitals, nursing homes, all of the above.
0: Oh, that's wonderful.
1: It is wonderful. And um, the I just can't think of a better community to serve. Um, They're so open and it's sacred. And it's just an absolute honor to be allowed to just bear witness to these these moments.
0: I am guessing, and I hate to say something sad right now, but based on the pandemic going on about yes. coronavirus,
1: can I, y- you're not allowed to go in there now, right? That's correct. I have been calling uh, my patients. I've been speaking to them Good. and their nurses. Yes. Um, and then uh, in the case where I have the family's information, I uh, call the family and let them know that I had spoken with the patient or the nurses, uh, just so the family knows um, that I'm I'm still here for them as well. Because it isn't just about the patient. Sometimes um, in hospice care, not just in NODA, it's also about the family um, and their grieving process. Um, and sometimes they need just someone to talk to. Also, it's yes, it's a tough time.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, kudos to you for being who you are being for not just the patients, but for the families. And I'm sure from the nurse's point of view too, it's a relief to have you guys and work working with Noda show up and be there.
1: Oh, oh yes. I, I think that um, it's also this, this, this feeling inside of self-awareness and self-reflection too, that comes from it. I know that it's, you're volunteering your time and, and it's, um, you're helping other people, but at the same time you do receive these, this part of yourself that you didn't even know existed or how deep the love for other people could go until you're actually out there giving that love, um, unconditionally. So, um, I, I kind of want to say, uh, I had an experience, so mm-hmm. I used to have a misconception that the most important time to be present for a dying person was during their last breath. Uh And it's been my experience since then that that's just not true. And dying is a process and it can take years, months, weeks, days, or even hours. But, um, the importance is being present throughout the dying process. And that does not mean every waking minute. It just means, um, being available as your loved one needs you over time Uh And once early on after visiting a patient, I feared I wouldn't see them again. And I was unable to continue to sit bed bedside at that time. Um, and I turned inward and I prayed to God and I received the most beautiful message from spirit that I continue to use to, to this day. Um, I use it all the time, even for people who are not necessarily transitioning, mm-hmm. but, um, The details kind of came through as a download of information that I then interpreted. And um, what I interpreted from spirit was that I could, if I wanted, create a letter of love or a love letter to my patients. And I could leave it in that moment in time and space. And that this message would be received by my loved one when they transitioned. And that upon receiving this love, it would lift or boost my loved one along their journey after their physical death. And I think, you know, we all know the power of prayer and positive thoughts. So I think that this follows along that same line. And so I'm a very visual person. So in that moment, I personally envisioned this beautiful landscape with green grass and blue skies, a waterfall, something that I thought my patient, that specific patient would really enjoy. And I kind of... I don't know, infused that image with love, gratitude, appreciation, awareness, and the intent that they would receive this message in the manner that I sent it in just complete love. And, um, I hope that that is the case. So I, if I knew that I wouldn't be able to be there for the final breath for one of my patients, I sort of create these love letters and I leave them there for them to receive when they do transition. And I, I hope (laughs) that that was an accurate interpretation because I use it all the time. Now, even if I'm passing an accident roadside, I send this little love letter um, to be held in time and space for that person um, for whenever they should need it.
0: That's really great. It, it, there's so much positivity in our intention, in our prayer and all of that. And I think even your words, are good because a lot of us can't see family members right now. I know there are people in hospitals and nursing homes that people can't go to visit. And I (laughs) do know we are powerful souls just inhabiting a human body right now. But I believe that we all have powers far beyond what we can even imagine. So even our intent, our prayers, our thoughts visualize that person and send them a love letter. I think that's really good. And I think that's something we can use right now.
1: It's absolutely relevant. And my sister, she's not a visual person. Mm -hmm. So when I told her about this, um, she tried it a year ago for my grandfather as he was transitioning Mm -hmm. and she visualized an actual letter and in her mind and sealed it in an envelope and sent it off into outer space. That was her, that was her way of sending a love letter. And I don't think that there's a right way or a wrong way. Mm-hmm. I just think that, like you said, it's the intent. That's what is the important part.
0: Absolutely. And whatever way our creative mind wants to visualize that or feel it or something is, is really, really good. Gretchen, I want to ask too, because I, I guessing, cause I've heard a lot of people, uh, just before they transition can, either feel like loved ones are present or they see into the hereafter. Have you had that experience? Or Are there any stories you can share with us?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, and I'll preface this by saying there are members of my own family who struggle to feel tuned into spirit mm-hmm. and struggle to meditate. And um, even to sit bedside with someone as they are uh, dying is, um, Uh, you, you're gifted with the experience of being able to, to kind of be the receiver of the story of what the other, what the person who is transitioning is able to see. So even if you can't see them yourself, the, when they say something that can't be disputed, um, you get to experience that. So Mm -hmm. this is for everyone. And there isn't anyone, there's not a household that hasn't been touched by death. And this is such a natural process and it is definitely not something to be feared. Um, it's so beautiful. I have many stories, but I'll, I'll start off with one of my patients and I'll call him Mr. A. Okay. And he has been in hospice care for over three years and I have been blessed to be his volunteer for over two of those years. Nice. Yes. He's amazing. Um, we used to have really detailed discussions about his um, Hindu upbringing and um, his travel abroad, and we used to discuss theological beliefs, it was a, a very interesting conversations to have. but now, as he starts his decline, his physical decline um, he has definitely embraced his uh, Hindu beliefs, and so um, part of Hindu tradition is a reincarnation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he his wife um passed away um over 20 years ago so when he before his decline started he used to believe that his wife had already reincarnated that he would never see her again and this did bring him a little bit of despair sure um but now um mr a has been receiving visits from his wife and in her in his room and it is bringing him just Huge amounts of comfort. And he's also uh, been informing me of um, other beings, um, beautiful beings in the corners of his room, uh, typically one corner actually. And I can't see it, but the way he lights up and the details to explain these beings. It's, it's just beyond imagination and the amount of joy and comfort that he emanates after talking about them. And while looking at them and explaining them to you, it just, it, it leaves you without any doubt. And at the very least you're feeling just this overwhelming sense of joy that he's feeling so comforted in those moments, because it can be difficult to do that when someone's on the decline to bring them that kind of comfort one time I was leaving his room and I sit in a chair right by his bed and I said, okay, Mr. A, I got to go. Um, and I got up to leave and I had reached the door and he says, oh, you're back. And I turned around. And I said, no, Mr. A, I'm leaving now. And he said, no, her. And he pointed to the chair that I had just gotten up from. And he said, she sits there with me after you leave so I won't be lonely. Oh, and he flashes just the sweetest smile at the chair And in that moment, I had this overwhelming, just, I was filled with gratitude. And I walked back to the chair and I said, thank you for keeping him company to this invisible, beautiful energy that brings him so much comfort. Um, But he frequently has visitors um, that he describes as being light filled in his room. So they're, they're consistently present for him at this time.
0: Oh, how special I've heard some other stories and I just love, I mean, not only no one dies alone as far as human beings with human beings, but just the fact that I believe the natural part of the dying process for a human being is that loved ones and angels, whatever you want to call them, these beings are there to reach
1: out for our hand and bring us over the threshold and they can see them. They can, yes, and and he can't tell the difference between me and the being standing next to me. um we are the same for wow. him in that moment, yes, we are the same reality for him, which is just beautiful to me. um I told you earlier that I sometimes or oftentimes actually can see uh patients' loved ones before they transition, and I have seen um a woman behind Mr. A that I only can that I had the feeling of that it was his wife. Mm -hmm. So she stands behind him whenever I see her, but for him, he's always, she's always in front of him at the foot of his bed and and in the corner of his room. So, um, I, I believe it a hundred percent for sure.
0: Oh, how comforting. I mean, none of us want to, I mean, I think fearing death is a natural thing, but with everything that I've learned, I mean, the actual dying part. I, I'm not afraid of it's any pain that leads up to that point, you know, any, anything, but to know that in our minds, we actually get to see this. And it's, I love that it's as real, it will be as real for all of us as for with Mr. A.
1: Oh, oh, for sure. And the amount of, the amount of comfort that it's bringing him is just so reassuring. And it, and it brings anyone who witnesses that comfort as well. So it's not, it's definitely nothing to be afraid of. It's just something to be in awe of. I know I am every time an mm-hmm. experience happens. I'm just filled with so much gratitude.
0: Well, I'm going to send Mr. A a love letter.
1: <laughs> yes, I have sent him, I've sent him a few. <laughs> well, just the fact that you're sharing this story and because
0: it, it's making a difference for a lot of people, his story. It sure is.
1: He's, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. And, um, I encourage seriously everyone to send a love letter. And even if their person has already passed, I just, I mean, how can you go wrong with sending anyone love, um, whether they're in the physical body or not, it's, it brings you comfort. And it also, I guess I've been told, I don't know from spirit that it gives them this lift or this boost. So that sounds great too.
0: <laughs> I think love is a, is a great energy. And, you know, I, uh, you know, we've always hear things. The best way to feel love is by loving someone else, whatever that saying is, um, is, you know, giving out love. And then there's also an, an expression, the way to have your dreams come true is helping other people get their dreams come true. So it's one of these things where what you put
1: out, you get back for I, sure. I, I believe it. Um, When I look into the eyes of one of the patients that I'm visiting or I hold their hand, there's just this connection that's made in these vulnerable moments Mm -hmm. and there are no words. You're just there and you're present and you can't ever regret those moments. Those moments stay with you forever. They have for me. Yeah. I've done a lot of stuff in my life.
0: Um, But the one thing, if anybody was going to say, what, what are you most proud of? And it's those days I was with my dad and before he departed and, uh, how I rose to the occasion and I could just sit there quietly and hold his
1: hand or whatever that was. You know, it's special. It is special. It's, yeah. it stays with you and it stayed with him. You know, it did. Mm-hmm. Do you have other stories?
0: I don't want to disrespect Mr. A, but I just, Oh
1: no, Mr. A is my, one of my current patients. He's he's so great. He'd be cool. Um, well, let's see. I have another patient. I'll Mm -hmm. call her her, Miss J. Okay. And she suffered from terminal brain cancer. And, um, she didn't have any friends and she only had one family member and it was her husband and her husband, uh, was very insistent that we not tell Miss J that she was passing away and that, um, we were supposed to just tell her she was in rehab, like rehabilitation. Really? hmm. Okay. And that's difficult as, um, someone who is supposed to assist those who are dying, someone who's supposed to bring awareness and comfort to the process. Um, but, uh, She asked me one time if I thought her brain cancer had returned and knowing that it had, I, I was trying to honor her husband's wish. And I said, do you think it had returned? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And she said, I do. And then, um, I said, well, what do you think that means for you? And she told me what she thought that meant. And, um, I asked her what she thought heaven would look like. And she, she described it very traditional. She was Baptist. And we talked about that. Um, But I let her lead the conversation and I never once told her, but she knew. Mm -hmm. I think whenever we get close, we all know. Um, And coming to terms with that in our own way, I think is part of the process. But she, being Baptist, um, I used to bring her in this flameless Jesus candle and she would lead us in prayer. And this was part of our kind of ritual together. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, um, this we did every day before I would give her peanut butter Reese's Cups. Those are her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, one day uh, before, the week before she um, died, she told me that she was going to be taking a trip. And um, and it was going to be a train ride back home soon. and. Hmm. I asked her, well, when are you going? And she said, I don't know, but I know it's going to be soon. And this was something I had been trained with. That's called nearing death awareness, which I'm sure you've heard of. It's when the patient is aware of their impending transition and they use symbolic language to describe it. And it's typically in forms of I'm going to be taking a trip or a train ride or going home or something like Mm that. Um. And not long after this, um, Miss J slipped into unconsciousness, and I received a call from hospice, and so I rushed to go visit her, and I sat bedside and silently prayed for her, and then a nurse came in to check on us, and in an attempt to comfort me, she told me Miss J would not be waking up again and that I should not be disappointed, Um, so I thanked her, and she left. I activated Reiki. And I placed my hands on her and continued to pray. I wasn't praying for her to get better because that's not what we're there for. I I was praying for the highest and greatest good for healing and whatever capacity that looks like Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And to my surprise, Miss J opened her eyes. And at first she looked past me, but I kind of centered myself in her line of sight. And I brought out her favorite Jesus candle and she locked eyes on it. And I asked her if she wanted to pray as per our usual, and she shook her head yes. And she started to speak. But the brain cancer had done some damage, and all she could say was a repetitive like da-da-da sound. Mm -hmm. I gave her time, and I stopped her, and I looked at her, and I said, do you want me to lead the prayer this time? And she shook her head no. And she continued with the the, the da-da-da sound. I waited a bit more, and I stopped her, and I assured her that it must be frustrating to know what you want to say but aren't able to get the words out. And I told her that Jesus knew in what she was saying in her heart, and she shook her head yes. She continued for a short time more, and then she closed her eyes and slipped back into unconsciousness. So she came to to say a prayer um, for Jesus, knowing that she was probably at the end of life for herself. Mm-hmm. and. Two days later, I'm out running errands, and Miss J appeared in the front seat of my car (laughs) briefly, and she was gone. Um, And I hadn't heard from anyone, so I texted hospice, and they confirmed that Miss J had indeed uh, passed away. And um, I can tell you that when she appeared in the front seat of my car, there was this overwhelming sense of joy, appreciation, and connection that just flooded over me. So... Those types of experiences are commonplace I think um, when when sitting with those and assisting those of the dying community do you feel
0: that your meditation practice has helped to kind of sharpen your skills of perceiving and seeing and and all that like also known as would it help for us who's listening now to take time in the present moment and quiet our mind to become more aware of maybe what's unseen or things in our mind or things like that?
1: Absolutely. Um, I understand uh, based on my, what my family tells me that meditation isn't for everyone. Um, I think that people put a, too much thought into what meditation is supposed to be like mm-hmm. instead of just allowing themselves to just sit and be. Um, I understand that people have thoughts that come through, but it isn't just meditation. I also do the whole sitting in the power and just being in the moment. Um, I've done the guided meditations and the the self meditation where you're sitting and clearing the mind. There's all different ways to just quietly sit. And when you do that, you can sometimes have a connection to the divine. You can have a connection to your own centered self-awareness and whatever I think the person needs most is what they're going to experience first. And I think if it's, if it's a connection to more, then that's because they need that connection right then. And that kind of fuels them to continue on the journey of meditation. Um, if it's quieting the mind and, and just de-stressing, I think that that's important too. But just letting go of all the distractions, even if it's just for five minutes, all the distractions that everyday life has, all your to-do lists, it allows space for spirit it allows space for connection and for your own self-awareness and self-growth so i think it's very important
0: and i don't think everybody's aware and i am not 24 7 aware of this either but around all of us we could be sitting alone in our homes and really buying into that we're alone but we're not we've got an unseen world around us of loved ones and guides and beings that are here for us and yes yes i love that and so we like i said we're souls having a human experience whether it's creating a love letter or something similar our intent and we can even ask this unseen world around us i don't know how to quiet my mind can you show me? I'm here and this is what I want to do. I want to be of service. Can you help me be? And for me, sometimes it's, it's I don't want to say it's simple because it's not. But when my mind starts getting crazy, when I'm trying to quiet it, it's just simply focusing on my breath. And and then I start thinking again, oh, well, let's get back to the breath. Or if I'm outside listening to the birds chirp and just being one with the bird chirping, you know, or whatever. It's That's right getting us into that present moment
1: well and people have this I don't know thought in their mind sometimes that if they get distracted then they can't meditate like okay I've ruined it like that one didn't count or something it all counts everybody gets distracted while meditating and then you just have to let it go and and recenter that's okay that's natural that's part of it Um, you don't have to overthink it and think that there's some specific way that it has to be done. Mm -hmm.
0: And one of my uh, medium friends has even said, they meaning the unseen world could have your mind go on a daydream because they're doing some healing on you. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a totally 100% quiet place in your brain when your body's still, I mean, there could be, there's so many different things we, I wish we could pick and, who we want to be, the ways we want to serve and all that. But I think once we get to the point where <laughs> we- the
1: fun in that? <laughs> yeah,
0: we realize there's this much bigger picture that I think we all have a team that's kind of showing us the direction we need to go in. We all have our different gifts for mankind. And when we say yes to service, it's like, oh, let me show you what it is. So for you, Gretchen, this is where we need your help. And um, <laughs> it's amazing.
1: It's just amazing what you do. It's um, a true joy. I will tell you, my husband is absolutely, he is not into any of this at all. Mm-hmm. He doesn't meditate. He supports me in everything that I do. I'm sure he just smiles politely at me and he listens to everything I say, but I don't think it's sinking in. <laughs> but-
0: oh, I, I'm the same way with my mom since we started this. I know she supports me and loves me, but every so often I'll tell her a story and one eyebrow will go up like, "Yep, <laughs> I don't know about that, Sandra. I'm
1: like, it's all right. Okay, you don't have to in divine timing, yeah. Um, but I can tell you that you can find your own connection to the divine. Mm-hmm. And my husband loves sunsets. He likes to go out. He really takes time to 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 look at them and enjoy them and be in that moment and photograph them. So for him, I think. Whereas I really enjoy medita- meditation and turning inward and, and things like that. He needs to be out and he finds it in sunset, so mm-hmm. his connection to the divine. So I think that when people are like, oh, I just can't meditate. Well, maybe meditating per se isn't maybe right for you, but quieting the mind and finding something that you could just get lost in like a sunset, maybe that works for you. Some people get glo- get lost in doing drawings or journaling yes. and
0: it's just different ways when people say sometimes you're in the zone and all of a sudden so much time's passed and you didn't even realize it.
1: That's perfect example right there. Yes.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Gretchen, because the show's called, we don't die. Do you have other reasons you believe
1: in the afterlife? Um, well, uh, besides having spirits physically come in and I be able to see them. Yeah. That's pretty big. That's a big one for me. (laughs) Um, and continuing to experience other people's, um, uh, spiritual moments as they're transitioning and getting to be a part of that sort of continues to enhance my belief. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for me, um, I actually had it. Well, another experience I had, um, when it was with a Noda patient and I didn't get to know this person before they started to transition. They weren't a hospice patient of mine beforehand. Um and this is sort of interesting but as in the last 72 hours as she is doing a, a a steep decline um she I don't even know how to say this without it sounding weird but she was standing beside herself Mm. Um, she wasn't in her physical body or perhaps she was, and she only presented that she wasn't, but she was standing beside herself. Now she didn't go far from her body, um, physically. And it was, she knew that I could see her and she interacted with me in such a way, um, where she wanted to relay a message that we, she first of all, she was filled with love and joy and expanse. Expanse is probably the biggest word that I could think of that she made me feel this freedom um, she was elderly, but she tried to relay by giving me a visual of um being at the tippy top of a tree, a huge tree in a huge forest and mm-hmm. a three sixty view, and all you can see are more trees and she just wanted to say that we are the tiniest, it is video's little part of this huge greater whole, And yet, even though we are so small of a part of this greater whole, we are incredibly important. We are intricate parts of the greater oneness. And she's standing there outside her physical body. When one might perceive the physical body to be struggling and perhaps in discomfort, mm-hmm. she wasn't, In it. She was standing with beside it with this incredible sense of freedom and love and joy. And I just I wish more of that could be realized by people who are true. Maybe perhaps people who are true gifted mediums could relay that information to loved ones that they're not struggling at the end of life, often the way we perceive them to be. They are actually okay. And that is just the process of their physical body. Um Slowing down. So when I see beautiful images of someone who's trying to relay a gorgeous spiritual story like that, Mm -hmm. um, it always brings me back to realize that there's so much more. So every time I visit a patient, I have these beautiful. Almost every time, I won't say every time. That's (laughs) not fair. But almost every time, I have these these experiences that remind me that we are not ever. Alone, and that we are not ever dying per se, we our physical body does, but we don 't
0: that 's a good story, f- even for me to hear because i 've heard people say when someone 's suffering, very often they 've left their body, and my dad suffered brutally the last few hours of his life it was just awful to watch. And I've held on to that hope that maybe that is real, you know, that he had already left. It's that kind of thing. So he wasn't feeling that. And through mediums and some pretty profound experiences, I I do believe that's the case. But the way that you spoke it and how I visualized it, I think it would help. It helps myself and probably others to know because cancer, not an easy way to go. That's Um, right. And just the fact that they're not suffering and that also there's no, once people do transition uh, while they might come through a medium and say how they died, it's kind of just like, just to prove who they were. There's no memory of pain or anything like that. Uh, It's easy to close your eyes and open them somewhere else free of pain and um, being very much alive.
1: It's the experiences through Noda, which is the last 72 hours, typically, where I have seen people standing outside their bodies when they're supposed to be physically suffering. Really? The most. Mm-hmm. So that is what brings me comfort. And even to someone who maybe can't see um, this, the spirit standing beside themselves, mm-hmm. I would love for someone to explain that one to me because um, I don't think that they have fully transitioned. I don't know. I don't think that there's this in between either, but I guess they're still somehow tethered to their physical body, but they Mm -hmm. are not uncomfortable. They are not in pain. In fact, they're feeling just the opposite. They're feeling this. Again, I come to the word expanse, like they just feel bigger than life itself, which is a strange way to put it, but it's, I guess, the only words I have for it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and for them to put that feeling that I could feel it. It's just everything every every time I have ever felt spirit, I guess I should say that for me it has been beautiful in love and in light and um in joy and in gratitude and appreciation. I have never felt anything other than that, and the feeling can be so overwhelming that there's just no questioning you don't feel that way any other time, and i just that's why I still believe that's why i firmly believe that Mm -hmm. life is eternal.
0: That's really nice. And as far as living life, having the belief that life is eternal and that we don't die, do you find you live your life kind of different from other people a little bit? Or how do you live your life knowing that it goes on? Does that make sense?
1: (laughs) You know, I guess I am a little more lenient on the choices that people make. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just like, Oh, well, that's what you want to experience. Oh, and you're going to experience (laughs) that. And that, (laughs) that, that's great. So I guess I'm just more open to, uh, how people choose to experience their physical reality because that's all it is. We're here experiencing, um, we're here just learning and growing and, um, it almost makes you feel like there's no way to mess up because it continues. And you just do the best you can, when you can, and whatever aligns to you and resonates with you, then you go that way. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree. And then, you know, there's things in my life that I look back on and it's like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done this or I should have done this. We have to trust that in the moment we made decisions, that was the best decision we knew to make at the time. So be gentle on our past selves. In the present tense, do the best we can.
1: Uh, certainly Absolutely. look for opportunities to serve, right? That's that's my favorite. But I think it was my Angelou, I I think. I, I hope I don't get a misquote here. But I think okay. she said, when you know better, you do better. I love um, that. Yes. So I, I love that too. And so every time if I think back and I think, oh, I could have done that differently, I think, well, you know what? I did the best I could. And when you know better, you do better.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. So some people, Gretchen, might be interested in finding out more about NOTA and volunteering. Um, I know there's not a simple website to go to on it, but how would you recommend people find out more about it? I Googled it and tons of stuff came up. And then I also know there's the Facebook page,
1: but any recommendation people might say, you know what? I think I might be interested in that. Yeah. So uh, Googling it is definitely the best way to do it. It is a nationwide program, but it is set up individually by state. Mm-hmm. Um, So you would need to find Noda in your state and then to find the network of uh, cities that it is in your in your state. Um, And if there isn't one, maybe you want to start one. Maybe you can head up the Noda program in your area. That's also an option. Um, It's definitely worthy and it's a a great cause. And um, even though we all know that you don't actually die and that there are those on the other side who are greeting you so you aren't truly dying alone. I think when you're still in the physical body, Mm -hmm. having someone there to hold your hand is very comforting. So maybe you don't die alone in physical or in spiritual. So be there for someone and start that program up if it's not available to you in your area. I can't, I can
0: and can't imagine the fear. My dad was very religious, went to church every day. And yeah, and uh Was he Catholic? He was Catholic, Yep. And Mm -hmm. with those final breaths, and it was really interesting because I knew at some point closer to dad's passing, I needed to share what I knew about the afterlife and my secret studies and all that stuff. And my stories of what I experienced and what I'd done up to that point, I mean, it filled his eyes with tears. And this is really interesting because I'm not a practicing medium, but I every so often we'll get a glimpse of something, or if I'm in a course, there will be things I know that I shouldn't know and stuff like that. Well, right in the kind of the weeks before he passed, I remember seeing this yellow airplane in my brain and it was just a small aircraft. And I kept, I finally, I said, dad, I, you know, and I'd already told him these stories. You know, of me studying this, that, and the other thing—all these weird topics—and you know, he just loved me and had big eyes and was listening. But some of it, he's like, "Wow." <laughs> uh, but I, but I said to him, "I said I keep feeling that there's a man named Jim who's laughing and saying he wants me to tell you he did get to bring his toys with him." And in that, my dad's eyes filled with tears. My dad had survived cancer from thirty years past. And so he would always help cancer patients and AIDS patients and things like that. He did a lot of volunteering. But he used to always say, You have to live. You have to, you know, you can heal, da, 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 because you can't bring your toys with you. So oh my God. Jim had a yellow airplane. And the fact that I said those words, my dad says, Just tell me everything. Tell me everything, you know, Sandra. And through that, our relationship got stronger. But I could tell where I'm going with all of this is knowing what I knew and being able to share with him. And even towards the end, there was fear that comes up. And I think that's normal because, you know, even, you know, um, Scott Milligan puts a great, you know, when he talks about uh, what one of his inspirers said, it's just like, if you've never been on an airplane. And you're scared. I mean, it's it's normal, it's something new. But then yeah. it's like you take your journey and it's like, oh, what was all the fuss about? <laughs> and that's right. But in those final moments in those last 72 hours, you really don't know. You, you know, you're boarding an airplane that you didn't ask to go on here. And um to have somebody from NOTA step up and be there is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So uh to anybody who's listening right now, if that seems of something of interest, um, check it out. And uh, is there training that goes along with it, Gretchen? Of how to?
1: There is. There's mm-hmm. um, a couple of days that you go in um, and they train you. Uh, but it's it's part of all of our histories and lives and cultures to just sit beside someone. Mm-hmm. It's not complicated, um, and it's and it truly fills you with joy. You feel. You feel like you have done, been present there for someone who needed it. And you also sometimes, the final gift that someone can leave behind is telling you who they're seeing around them as they're going. And I think that that is what brings us hope too that life is eternal. Mm-hmm. As people who are dying tell us, hey, this person's here with me. So I think that people who might perhaps. Be fearful or, or in any way unsure about uh, sitting with the dying community. I hope that they realize um, that it, there is nothing to be afraid of, and that they would probably gain so much more than they could ever imagine out of the experience, both with the belief of eternal life and also with serving. So
0: that's really nice. And you know, something just came up to me, came up in my mind: is uh, we're all dying, right?
1: <laughs> right now, that's
0: right. We are, and a lot of us are housebound and we're housebound with people. And sometimes, I mean, you can look at it sometimes, <laughs> sometimes too much, or I don't know what the expression is I'm looking for here right now. Um, But too much of a good thing may not be a good thing. And I, I think being housebound with people, we can get irritated with each other. We need our space, da, 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 da. But from this conversation, I'm really taking who you're with right now, and even if it's your dog, it's just you and your dog sitting at home. Whatever, be present. Be present. Be with them. Um, may, uh, you know, I'm prone to go checking the computer or the email or something like that. But what would it be like to just sit and be, and nobody has
1: to talk, you know? But no, really, no. to do that now, and that's a way of quieting your mind. It doesn't have to be a traditional meditation in any way. No, and. I guess if you could maybe after you do a little quiet time, send out a love letter to someone I, uh, in your mind's eye mm-hmm. for someone. Because I I just truly believe that that is a, a, a beautiful gift you can give to anyone, even if they've already transitioned or if they're about to. Or if it's just someone you want to leave it there in time and space, I'm told you can do that. You could just leave it there and maybe they don't go for another 20 years. Just have it ready.
0: Oh, that's there. so nice.
1: And why not send a letter
0: if you had any? guilt or regret or anything just send love you know it's
1: that's right like you said healing
0: yeah when you know better you you do better and uh be gentle be gentle on ourselves so Gretchen thank you for being our guest today thank you so much this has been just wonderful oh yeah I feel the same way it's just a a (laughs) new conversation but it, it needed to be shared so I'm glad you were the one for our listener, thank you for being here, but I just want to tell you some, about some cool things that we're doing now. As always, we don't die radio.com is the home base for episodes. Um, but we are doing now Sunday services online for free while we're all housebound and it's done in the spiritualist manner, meaning we have songs and we have prayers and we have a reading and we have a sermon very inspirational. But one thing spiritualists do a little differently is at the end of every service, there's a medium that does a mediumship demonstration. And we'll bring in two or three contacts, two or three uh, loved ones from the other side, and we connect them right there in our online service. So we just had our first one, it was pretty miraculous. And lasts about an hour and 20 minutes, I think something like that. And they're all recorded. So you can see one even after the fact. But if you go to we don't die radio dot com and towards the top of the page it'll say our Sunday Divine Church Service and just scroll beneath it because uh the recorded ones you'll be able to play from right then and there or you'll get the link for the next one coming up on Sunday. So we want you to be part of that, be part of our community, even though we're so many miles apart. Also, we're doing some live mediumship demonstrations which are pretty cool. So there's an event page at we don't die radio.com. I've got some freebies for you. If you want a copy of my book, We Don't Die, it'll come in a PDF form. And I have a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. Grief doesn't have to be death of a loved one, it can be something that we're all going through right now is Our world has changed. Our lives have changed. Many of us right now are unemployed Uh, and maybe our health has changed. There could be so many different things and that activates the grieving process. So our brains can be a little crazy. We could have anger. There's a bunch of things. So it's how to get through the grieving process. And so you just have to sign up for what's called my Insiders Club, which is another name for my email list. And that's that. And then on Facebook, we have We Don't Die Listeners. So you can just type that in. It's a private group of nearly five thousand people. Shout out to everybody who's in the group. Hello, and it's a great place to just meet new people, talk, be supported. It's super. And then the last thing is back to we don't die radio.com. Um, if you click on the button that says store, there is my book we don't die in audiobook form. Now it says twenty dollars, but if you put in where it says coupon code free f r e e free because it we'll turn it from $20 into $0 into completely free. That is my gift to you. Just, it helps being in the present moment. It helps listening to inspiring things. Um, It helps being with people, but sometimes we can't be with people. So just listening makes a difference. And of course there's now 335 episodes of we don't die radio. So you could spend your next year listening. (laughs) But again, I want to thank Gretchen for being our guest today. And Looking forward to seeing you again, Gretchen, in the near future somewhere, somehow.
1: I imagine we will. I yes, can't I hope so help too.
0: it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. And for you, our listener, we look forward to meeting you, whether it's online or in person. So in closing, my name's Sandra Champlain, and I'm always so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So take a little time and create a love letter and send it. Uh, It'll make a difference and it'll land just where it needs to forgive yourself. I love that. When you know better, you do better. So don't worry, be present, have love in your life and just take some time today to sit with the people you love. Okay. So thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.